Welcome to the Gamer's Guide Pathfinder with Sean and Barry. Live from Detroit, it's the Gamer's Guide to Pathfinder with Sean and, well, you know me. How you doing, Sean? <laughs> I'm doing great, Barry. How are you? I'm doing well. We are uh, in our new location down here. Um, this is the new studio, then. The, the whole, you know, now that we have dozens and dozens of fans, we can we can afford a place like this, right? That's right. That's right. So we're stepping up our game. We've got our, our better digs. Uh, I hope you notice the acoustics are a lot better down here. There is more acoustics. I don't, we'll see if they're better or not. <laughs> and, you know, we're ready to roll out another quality podcast. This time about, uh, what were those guys? The, I believe it's pronounced Alchemist. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going to be talking about The Alchemist. Uh, this will be a continuation of our class series. We've done, so far, you know, quasi done the Gunslinger. I'm going to call him good. Uh, and we've done the Cavalier more as, as what's going to be typical. And we're going to continue that today with a inspection of the class known as The Alchemist. Again, this is another class taken from the APG. All right, so I guess without further ado, then, let's just jump right into it. So, talking about the alchemist. The flavor of this class is essentially, I mean, if you imagine your stereotypical steampunk age guy who's, who's in the lab, he's got the white lab coat, he's a mad scientist, he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And, you know, unlike most other classes in the game, that's all this class can be. He is so constrained to being only the guy in the lab who's playing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I think I can speak for you right now, Barry, when I say that that is the case. Would you agree? Ooh, this steam comes out of my ears. Seriously? <laughs> um, okay, I will just uh, quick rant and say really quick, the Alchemist is hands down my favorite class. Uh, from for, the, for this five-minute period. No, <laughs> no I, I, I'm seriously nerding on the Alchemist and have been. Uh, I, it's just a fantastic class. Uh, my favorite one out of the APG, uh, just because it's such a versatile class. When you when you take it, not just when you skin it, but even just when you take the different elements of the class. Yes, absolutely, he can be the nerdy, sciencey guy in the lab coat. He can be Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Uh, but he can be so much more. I mean, you can, he, he's all, all of these things. He's, he's spellcaster, he's bomb maker, buffer, and if, if you just really... play it as it looks like they intend you to, it's one of the most versatile classes. Absolutely. It's a you... great class if you play it as is. Absolutely. I mean, you got really the three main features as I see them, and correct me if you disagree, uh, mutagens. They, this basically makes you the Hulk. You know, sure. you're kind of, you wolf out and you, you beat stuff up in, in combat, and you can do that however many times a day and stuff. And we'll, we'll get into these more. But uh, the second thing, then, is bombs. That would be the second iconic part, I would say. And this is you can just quickly mix a bomb and toss it at something. Uh, great range damage, doing touch attacks. It's, it's you know, got some splash damage going on. Uh, definitely very interesting there. And then you follow all that up with, you know, basically a full caster progression. Well, it's not quite a full caster progression. It's more of a bard progression. Well, okay, you're right. Um, you're right. It's the sixth level progression, more right. like a bard. But they're still, uh, and, and technically, there's not even a caster, right? They're they're mixing up, they're mixing up infusions, and these these act like spells. It's kind of like a cross between a spell and a potion, and uh, so you you got basically all of those things. I mean, they're really good for buffing. 
They're really good at, you know, if they focus on any of these things, they can be a very, very different class. Absolutely. They can be a great uh, great addition to a party, whether it's a, a small party, which I think we both prefer personally. Um, they, can really sh they can really cover a lot of bases. They've got the skills to kind of do the rogue thing. They've got some heals. They've got some buffs. Uh, and they're fantastic at low levels because they can share buffs with other people that other classes wouldn't have sometimes ever, or not until later levels when they're doing the mass versions of those spells. Um, but then they're also great in larger parties, because if you're going to have the the cliche fifth wheel, what does he do, they can they can specialize to fill a niche, or they're just so versatile they can cover all those things. So yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. So let's, let's talk about some of the ways they can specialize then. Let's just, let's just start there. So what do you see as kind of some of the different builds? And, and we'll just focus on one at a time. So what, in your mind, what's the first one that comes to mind as how you would specialize this guy? Uh, well, you know, first thing that comes to mind uh, from reading the class before the APG ever came out, um, it seemed like they were very bomb-focused. They, they backed off from that a little bit, but the bombs seemed to be the kind of the most iconic thing. Okay. Um, my favorite thing about the, the Alchemist, I'll say real quick, whether or not, depending, doesn't matter what you're actually specializing in, is that the discoveries are just so good. Um, I just, it makes me mad that I don't have discoveries at level one and I have to blow that first feat on something other than a discovery because... With my alchemists, I just I want my feats and my you know to go to extra discovery. That's how good these discoveries are. In a lot of our other podcasts, we've talked about what a you know what the bar is for feats. Right. For alchemists, extra discoveries that's the bar. Absolutely. Any feats you want to take, they have to be better than extra discoveries. And sometimes, and, and I'll be honest here, sometimes that's hard for feats to beat. Uh, it's it's a high bar. There's some really really good discoveries for making the character you want to make, which is another thing that makes him very flexible. Discoveries are basically things that are going to adjust his existing abilities. So an example might be your bomb not only blows up those splash damage and direct damage to them, including plus your intelligence to it, uh, it also turns into a stinking cloud in that awesome. area. So suddenly you've got some fantastic crowd control going on with these bombs as well. Okay, so let's let's talk about our, our bomb thrower then. What are some of the things you would consider like the core of if you're you're focusing in on a bomb bomb guy build? I don't, I don't know uh, what we call him, but you know, a bomb guy build. Well, what would what would you take? How would you how would you specialize in that? Well, Whether it's, it's discoveries or feats or whatever. Well, for me, and I'll, and I'll say real quick, the thing that I love the most. I mean, mechanically, I think that the alchemist is really versatile, it can, and it can fill a lot of niches really well. Um, is it's not going to necessarily compare with a wizard in in all shapes and forms, but uh, they they can hold their own, I think, in a lot of in a lot of arenas. Um, but uh, starting off with um, you know a character, I, there's a, a couple of different ones that I really like character-wise. I tend to to start the character build on the concept and then go out mechanically. Um, I will say real quick since we were talking about the bar, for that one first feat that I have to pick uh, before you know it opens up discoveries, which I think with most any alchemist I would make, I would be dumping it in at that point. I would say with a uh, with a bomb thrower, I'd be really leaning towards improved initiative. Uh, just because especially when you start opening up the different effects that come from the bombs. Sure. Just like a controller mage or whatnot, you want to be able to get that off early in combat. Before, if, you can, if you can control the battlefield before right. they get to move, you have a lot, a lot more control over that battlefield. Absolutely. So it's the same reason that improved initiative is better for a caster than it is, say, for a rogue. Uh, 
And I know people have argued with me on that, you know, but they also then rush in with their rogue and go, I went first and got my sneak attack, and then everyone beats up their rogue and they cry. Uh, but in, in this case, because it is, you know, that control, either you're lobbing this right in the middle of where they're all grouped up, or you're preventing them from using one entry so they have to approach your, you know, your fighter tank guy. Uh, whatever it is, you're controlling that battlefield. You're changing the behavior of that enemy, which makes them weaker and your group stronger. Because you guys are ready for it, and they're not. So yeah, that's a that's a solid choice for a bomb thrower. Absolutely. Also, it's really funny in a society game when people charge into your stinking cloud. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you don't mention to them. They're like, oh, it's just another fog. Ah, oh, you son of a. <laughs> <laughs> so so that would be my 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 uh, my first choice for the pre-discovery uh, feats. But um, so attacking a bomb thrower for me, I have kind of two things that I've done. I've done the classic, the gnome. Uh, that I, I was playing with you in Trent's game, um, and she was a fun little sidekick. I hope to play her again sometime soon here. Uh, she actually lobs the bombs, um, and so I think, you know, when you're, when you're approaching it, if you're going to actually be throwing the bombs with your hands, that it entails a whole different set of feats. Um, whereas I have another build that I've made that we, we talked about at one time privately that I really, really like, which is an archer uh, alchemist. So there's a discovery in the ultimate combat uh, that I would use with this archer uh, called Explosive Missile, and it's just fantastic. It takes your very short-range bomb when you're throwing it by hand and just, hey, I can do this at the end of a longbow. And, and to talk about how short-range he's talking about is typically it's a thrown weapon with a range of command of 20 feet, which is short. It's kind of painful. And, you know, given in a lot of dungeon crawls or a lot of, you know, kind of uh, classic everyday... Uh, games, it tends to be a shorter range. But yeah, I, if you're in a 40 foot or 50 foot not by 50 issue. foot room, that's, that's not a huge deal. You can take the extra minus two to get all the way across the room right. because it's still a touch attack. So, right. yeah, it's not that big a deal. But if you're playing outdoors, King any Maker, sort of range, yeah, Kingmaker would be a great example. Or uh, a game where people try to actually use the different range categories and, and let people see things far away, not just, oh, hey, you got to ambush again. Right. Um, it can be really, really good. Not to mention with Explosive Missile, you're actually doing the damage of the missile. Um, it is in so, addition to it, right? In addition to it, right. So it not only, I mean, it is a standard action. You're not busting out a, a million of these shots, um, but it's just a fantastic uh, fantastic discovery. Uh, I'm, just, I'm imagining uh, uh, that scene from Monty Python where the arrow comes in and he's like, <laughs> message for you, sir, and then it just blows up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. So, so getting back to, to the, the feat selection that you asked about, um, that's what I, the reason why I tied this in is because if I was going to make that awesome archer alchemist, which I would probably make an elf because you get, I mean, it's just, uh, I think thematically it would work really well mechanically. You get longbow as a... Longbow yeah. with an alchemist is perfect. It's also mechanically strong. You've got dex and intelligence. That's great for this. Which is perfect for the alchemist. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I would consider, I mean, it would be, it would still be tough to beat that bar of extra discovery, but with, with a character like that, if you were going to have some secondary damage uh, when you're not actually attaching bombs to your missiles you may want to take some feats that would increase your efficiency so, with a bow. So you said for the for the first feat you consider improved initiative. What about, I mean, in either case, you're still doing ranged attacks, whether sure. it's a ranged touch or, or not. Sure. Uh, so what about the whole uh, feat chain for archers, where you're looking at point-blank shot, then precise shot, so you're not getting that minus four for shooting into, you know, melee? Or do you just, you're going to avoid melee because of the splash damage? Or, I mean, what, what are we looking at there? Why wouldn't you go that route? Well, 
I, I think that it depends on the scope of the campaign, and it depends on your, you know, your ultimate goal with the character, how many feats you think you have available over the life of the character. Um, but if you, if you really want to get to the crunch, um, if I really want to be hard-nosed and make those tough decisions, I would look at it like this. If I am going to be a, a ranged archer, which I think is a really strong build, if I was going to be... Um, then I'm doing it because I want to have extreme range with my bombs. Mm-hmm. Adding the arrow damage or the heavy repeating crossbow damage is fantastic, but ultimately I'm mostly doing it for the range. If they're close enough range that I'm going to get that plus one from point blank shot anyway... Well, point blank shot's a feed tax. I mean, let's, well, let's be fair, right? It just it unlocks precise shot. Sure. So you don't get the minus four for shooting to melee. But, but in, in the, what I'm saying is, is in, a, in a close range battle, um, which is what it's going to be if, you're, if your friends are already engaged with them in melee, you're probably fairly close. Yes. In the same way that if you're able to proc precise shot, you're fairly close. Yeah, I mean, we come up with examples now, where they're not because right. you happen to have a charger and you know whatever. Right, but right, in, right. in general, absolutely. Yes, he's not going to be running 300 feet away and be engaged when you're lobbing this arrow right. across the across the yard. So, uh, so given that instance in gameplay, um, this guy who attaches bombs to his arrows, although that's that's thematically what you want to be doing every time, nothing stops him from actually pulling out and physically throwing that missile as a touch attack, because when he shoots, it's not a touch attack. Right. And then with a touch attack, even if he's throwing into melee, it's a touch attack. Who cares about a minus four to hit? Um, Depends on the level. And I then, mean, as, as, you know, at low levels, that, that does make a difference. Right. As you get as higher, higher levels, it's not it makes less and less a difference, because the, right. the touch is not scaling up like it does sure. on other things. And in fact, it gets lower, right. because you're fighting bigger monsters. And, and then and, what I'm thinking is, if the monster is far away, and I'm actually using my missile... Well, then I'm not, you know, I'm not able to get any of the, I mean, probably I'm not able to get the bonus from the point blank shot anyway. And certain, and, and most likely one of my party members isn't already engaged with someone across the yard. Um, so those kind of be irrelevant. I think it'd be nice if you had the available feats to be able to do those rapid shots and things just to have a great damage output when you're, when you're out of bombs. Well, and that would be the beauty part. And I was actually going to bring up rapid shot. It's... It gives you, almost more than anyone else, as, as a bomb-focused guy, the ability to Nova, right? Sure. So you're just, you're just putting out a ton of damage really fast. And if you're doing that while they're still closing with you, and you're just unloading on them... Well, you, you can't know, actually do that with this, though. I mean, this, it specifically says only one shot? Explosive missile is a standard action. Ah, okay. So, so rapid shot, if you're the thrower, yes. will work. But with this, it will not? Technically, yes. Interesting. Okay, okay. So that's that's interesting. So, huh. All right, all right. It's definitely, I think the Archer Alchemist, I think it's mechanically strong, but it is definitely something that you have to want for the flavor. And you definitely would have to focus on to make sure he's, he's going to be good. And I think it boils down to a know-your-campaign type of thing. If, it, if you're having the 15-minute adventuring day, very much you can just be the Nova, I have two-weapon fighting and rapid shot, which personally I don't think should stack, even though I think it was fact that it does. Um, that's not my style. I don't like to have a 15-minute adventuring day. I like the long, drawn-out, tough <laughs> scenarios. Um, I can see I'm, the wizard's like, oh, guys, I, I really should rest. And the alchemist's like, crap, I got a lot of bombs left. Kicks in the next door and just unloads four bombs around <laughs> on the things inside. And then it's like, all right, let's sleep. <laughs> as, as the smoke settles and right. everything's dead inside. And exactly. All the so scrolls you, are burned up, but he doesn't care. He doesn't cast scrolls. Right. Um, if you yeah. know that that's the game you're in, then doing that that short-range Nova blaster would be a decision that would probably be 
That's a good one. It would probably be smart if you know if you wanted to annihilate things. And if you were looking to the switch hitter type alchemist, where you're really the, you know, you're not focusing on any one part. It really could be some of your stuff is focused on melee, some of your stuff is focused on this. You unload on them really fast, as fast as you can, and then you hit the mutagen, you hook out, and you 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 wade into combat. Uh, And it would just be trying to use all your resources on both sides as quick as possible. Sure. But yeah, I, I would definitely agree. In most cases, it's more about the battlefield control, the precision, placing the shots where you need them rather than just unloading as quickly as possible. Well, it is play style. I mean, I don't think it takes a whole lot of thought to just blow your load all over the place. Um, it, but it does depend on your game. If you're playing in, say, an exploration game or a survival game where the DM is going to, is going to have those days last a long time, then and, and that tends to be my inclination. I would rather have a character that thinks about conserving his resources than, oh man, i got to blow it all before I sleep. Um, it's, what's what's the fun of right resource management if it doesn't matter and if you manage them? And, and there's not as much verisimilitude. I mean, yeah. where do you see the guy? That, oh man, I just gotta like totally use up all my energy so I can sleep really well tonight. I mean, it just doesn't. You don't see the fighter like hacking down trees because you know he wants to get as many swings in as he can. <laughs> I gotta get my adrenaline out. I get, I just can't get to sleep otherwise. I, I have rounds of rage that are unspent as the barbarian <laughs> snaps logs over his knee or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but in a game where where you had that play, um, I, I think that the archer would be the archer alchemist would be really strong because you'd have a strong secondary damage in addition to your bombs and, and your buffs and that. Um, but on to buffs, which I think buffs are interesting because no matter what you do, whether you go heavy melee, um, and I will say, I, I think technically you can do an alchemist that really, really focuses on spells. And I'll admit, I haven't done a lot of digging into that. That's uh, probably because, the one build you haven't looked at as much Right, yet. Be- because just so many classes do it better. Well, um, and I think their spells in particular are really focused on buffing. And right. so they really, because of that, buffing is awesome... But then you have to do something else for the buff to take effect, right? So if, if you're if you're an archer and you buff for archery, then your bow is doing lots of damage, right? Sure. If you're a melee guy and you buff for melee, then your melee attacks are doing lots of damage. But you have to be able to do those things as well. So buffing is almost a secondary thing that makes you awesome right. at something else. Absolutely. But if all you do is buff and then stand there, it doesn't matter. You're right? making your party cool, which you can do with that discovery that yeah. opens that up. But it, it's it's something you would really have to focus on. It would definitely be a niche. It would not be something that's normal. Um, interestingly, I think if you are a ranged or you know bomb focused alchemist, um, then the discovery, if you can afford it, to buff your friends is a good one because you will need less of those buffs for yourself, um, and you can just be you can be a great uh, party aid. Uh, whereas if you go heavy melee, you're going to want those buffs for yourself to keep your damage output high, keep yourself defended. Yeah. Um, but either way, it's great to have those have those buffs um, as a secondary. It, it just makes you better. Um, it's it's really good. Um, really quick on these new discoveries, I'm not going to go over all the old discoveries because I'm assuming most people have have read you know through the APG. Um, but the the breath weapon bomb in the ultimate combat is also another fantastic addition, and I'll just touch on touch on why is is that the um, and I would recommend it uh, both for if you can afford it with an archer that'd be great. Um, I would probably skip it. Well, I would say thematically, depending on what you did with a melee one, if you went with vivisectionist, you're not going to have the option anyway because you lost bombs. But if if you did kind of a hybrid melee, you may want this because it's just fun. But uh, especially if you're a classic Nova or a mid-ranged bomb, 
uh, thrower, I would really heavily recommend Breath Weapon Bomb, and the reason why is... As soon as they close with you. Absolutely. Bombs are actually mid-range, even though they have a relatively short range. You still don't want people all up in your business. Yeah, I think, you are I think at this point, to really talk about how cool this is, because I completely agree with you, yeah. we need to talk about how bombs work. So typically, sure. the bomb does... It's, I believe, a base D6 damage, and then it scales up as you go up in level. Right, it gains D6 as every other level. Right, so it's it's going up every other level plus your intelligence, and as then it has static, right? Right, and it has one point of splash damage plus your intelligence. Again. So the you have a high damage, intelligence; it's really good at low levels. The splash damage kind of peters out later on, right? Because it's not scaling up at the same rate. The splash damage isn't as significant, uh, but that that center, you know, that main damage is going up. It is becoming uh, a pretty decent amount of damage that you're putting out. Um, you know, not game breaking. It's not comparable to a charger build barbarian or something, but it's it's a decent amount of damage. Now, the breath weapon version of it. It's not doing splash damage. Everyone who gets hit by that area effect cone, they all take your main damage. Yeah, it's good. So that's, I mean, suddenly you have an area effect that's doing good, whereas other than at very low levels, your area effect isn't that great with these, uh, with the exception of whatever smoke comes out of it or whatever, use it for battlefield. Oh, it's just another stinking cloud. Uh, you know, bummer! So strong. <laughs> I went level four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just nauseated everyone. Oh, that's all I did. Um... Yeah, you know, so it's it's really good as far as damage goes. If you have a bunch of people who swarmed you, you can take them out. You're able to do actually a decent amount of damage as an AOE, whereas normally it's not doing lots as an AOE once you're past the low levels. So it, it is an absolutely solid solid discovery. It's too bad that you can't mix Breath Weapon Bomb and, and, and Stinking Cloud. That would just be fun. <laughs> I could just see the alchemist burping. Yeah, it's just a belch, belch attack. But it is a great clutch power when people get all up in your business to, to, to get them off of you. It is. Um, but the Stinking Cloud, absolutely. I would say if, if somebody wanted to make a party that wanted to systematically go through an adventure or a dungeon and really shut stuff down and be able to take things apart, man, an alchemist, you just go for that smoke bomb and then the nauseating bomb right off the bat. You can get it by level 3. And you're just owning everything. Uh, equip your party with some pole arms so they can stay out of the stinking range. Stab into the into the stink <laughs> until the goo <laughs> stops twitching. Yeah, um, it's just it's really broken, powerful, um, but it is definitely fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, I, I guess since we don't know when people are going to be listening to this, I mean, it could be two years from now, and and ultimate combat is old, and. You know, it's no different than the APG. So let's let's go ahead and hit the highlights of the discoveries. I mean, don't go over every discovery. So now, do you mean because you're going to take long to edit it, or because people are going to listen to it in two years? Oh, you, you hurt me to the quick, <laughs> sir. You hurt me to the quick. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what they've read. We don't know what they don't. So, I mean, are, are there other discoveries that really stick out to you? I mean, you mentioned, for instance, uh, Smoke Bomb. Fantastic. Uh, Sticky Bomb is another one that makes for some very good you know, uh, battlefield control. Absolutely. I think that at higher levels, yes, the damage scales to a point, and it's nice to also hurt them while you're nauseating them, but really it boils down to that, that web, that sticky bomb, that, that nauseating, the other effects that you can do. Um, it becomes much, much more important over the long run. You know, just as with a wizard, eventually fireball isn't that cool. Eventually it isn't the answer to the to the problem right. anymore. It's, hey, reverse gravity, and now I've just neutered all of the bad guys. Right, right. right. Another example for your bomb thrower, uh, Precise Bomb. 
and it's not that you care if the splash damage, you know, oh, I did six extra damage to the fighter. He really doesn't care that much, but he doesn't really want to be nauseated. So, you know, have, being able to throw it into melee, ignore the spot he's standing in and have it still hit the guys he's fighting. So they get, you know, have to make their saves first nauseated and he doesn't. It can be really strong because it just gives you that option to keep throwing into melee. For a dedicated bomb thrower, I would highly recommend it. It's a fantastic choice. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think probably for the bomb thrower, more than, you know, we're going to talk about the melee build here in a minute, uh, infusions as well, which is what it's what allows you to let other people drink your your potions, your your casting potions that I can never think of the name of. <laughs> the infusions. <laughs> the infusions, yeah, but they're they're yeah. Anyway, uh, it's what lets you. It's what lets you hand the guy next to you Absolutely. the healing potion, right? Uh, to use, which is is fantastic. So if you want to be able to buff your party, which more so you're going to want to do if you're the bomb thrower, like we talked about, then then absolutely that's a great way to go. And in a lot of cases, you know, it's hard because you want to get the stinking cloud early, but at the same time you want to be able to heal your friends early. Mm -hmm. So and that second level pick is actually hard here. I, I would probably. You don't play well with others, so you, yeah, okay, you would go there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> joking, well, with my it. with my little gnome sidekick, I, I went with Stinking Bomb uh, at level two, and and if I ever made it to level three, if I get to play again, I'll be taking the nauseating bomb. Sure, but yeah, absolutely. The the being able to share your infusions with your party is great. If you're any any form of a ranged or normal bomb thrower, you you don't need those buffs as much. Yeah, you shouldn't be getting into combat. So well, additionally. Uh, yeah, for your fighter, right? I mean, you could you could give him stuff to heal himself, or you could prevent him from taking damage in the first place because you're doing better battlefield control. It, it kind of is more powerful to do the battlefield control to keep him from taking damage in the first place. Sure. So it's definitely a valued argument to go that way. But if it's not only healing him, but you're also enlarging him and you know giving him bull strength, hello. Yeah, I mean, suddenly he's he's a machine of death and doom. Uh, so, you know, it's a choice. It's it's which one's going to come first. Either way is a strong way to go. I wouldn't feel too bad one way or the other, but you, depending on your group, they may give you a little crap if you don't hear, you know, take the one where you can help them out. But, you know, whatever. Throw a stinking bomb at them if they complain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for your bomb thrower, guys, is there anything else you'd, you'd want to talk about that is a great way to go for them? Well, one little trick that I found, which is a little bit broken, but if you find later on, and I, I didn't get to this point with my, my Bomb Thrower Alchemist, but if you find that even with a good dex and improved initiative that you took at level 1, you still need uh, more initiative when you get a little bit later, you can take the Tumor Familiar, which sounds really nasty, and it is, <laughs> yeah. um, but you can choose that Familiar to be this little dinosaur thing, which grants you another plus 4 to initiative, so then you're basically getting a plus 8 to your initiative and initiative to your dex and anything else if you took the trait. Um, and you're getting alertness as a side feat. You can detach it. It is still a familiar whatever. But um, you're you know, really, really pushing that that I'm going first thing. Yeah. And, and I'd almost be tempted to go that route instead of improved initiative to start with. I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if you need a total, you know, trait plus 2, feet plus 2, plus the familiar plus... Or I'm plus sorry, trait initiative plus 4. Plus it's but, huge, but really, plus six, is that not... Well, that's what I was saying. When you already when, got a good dex, do you really need another plus four? Right, that's what when I was saying. When you could have taken extra discovery. Sure, I was, that's why I was saying I wouldn't take it unless I was finding that I wasn't going first consistently. Gotcha. Um, the whole reason for taking, and absolutely, if I could take Tumor Familiar at level one, all over it. Unfortunately, sure. Tumor Familiar is a discovery, gotcha. which I can't take until level two. Okay, fair so enough. So that's why Improved Initiative is the go-to at level one. Okay, okay. 
But, I mean, that. other than that, I think for for a ranged or bomb type uh, alchemist, uh, you know, that's what I found. I just, I really couldn't find a reason not to take a discovery every level. I mean, at the very least, I want extra bombs, um, which I'm not sure is if that's a feat or discovery, but it's basically... It's a feat, I believe. ...having to do, I mean, that's, the, the, you know, once you access, you know, discoveries... Discovery, extra discovery really is the first bar, but for me, the next bar down, if you have bombs, I mean, unless you're a vivisectionist doing the, the sneak attack thing, which we'll get to, um, having more bombs is what you do, and so if you have nothing else to, to take. Especially bombs. if you're going the route where you can Nova. So if you're going two-weapon fighting and rapid shot, and your whole plan is to Nova with things, you're going to run out of bombs fast. Right. Because you're unloading those things like there's no tomorrow. Right. So... Yeah, extra bombs is a really, really good way to go in that case. But I, I still don't think it's your go-to feat. It's a strong feat. It's a good feat. But extra discovery is still oftentimes would be better. Extra discovery is still much, much better. But if you don't have a discovery that you want, if yeah. you've already gotten all of the control things, which I, I didn't I didn't personally run out of things that I wanted on the discovery list. Right. But if I would have, I would have just taken extra bombs. Sure. Um, it's an interesting place to note that uh, on the subject of races in the APG, there's a fantastic option there uh, to have optional racial uh, favorite class features. The the half orc gets extra damage with each with each bomb. The gnome gets extra bombs. Yeah. Uh, which is just really really Huge. strong. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going to Nova, especially, uh, which I wasn't going to go for the Nova, I was going to kind of be more. Uh, Versatile, uh -huh. um, and I wanted to stretch it out for. A Not to mention game, your small size, so you're getting sure. a plus one to your AC. Mm -hmm. uh, you're getting a, you know, basically a plus one to hit. Uh, you're getting the higher decks. You know all of that great stuff that makes yeah. a gnome a strong caster is also you helping you here. Right. Right. Plus, plus, you're getting extra, extra bombs. bombs. Right, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so. very strong choice. Mm -hmm. um, Moving on. So, well, before we move on, I guess okay. so, you know out, out of this. So sure. let's talk about uh, flavor-wise on this. So, so your prototypical bomb build guy is still your you know white coat lab coat wearing thing and he's he's quickly mixing up something between a couple beakers or or his test tubes and then tossing it out there and it explodes and whatever smoke or puff or whatever happens but what are some other ways you might skin this build what ways can't you skin this guy i mean the bomb is really an interpretation it's an effect mechanically that's doing certain things it would just really depend on the on the type of character that you're running. Um, if you wanted to play around with an auto race, um, I'm, I'm really into goblins right now. Um, I have kind of a raging wolf riding goblin that I'm nerding on more, but I would also love to do a pyromaniac goblin that's just throwing incendiaries. <laughs> be awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, if I was in a, a pseudo Wild West or a Wild West game, doing a guy with a whole bunch of dynamite, how hot would that be? Yeah. You got one guy playing the Kenslinger in the group. You're playing, you're literally just pulling out dynamite. Lighting it on fire and With tossing it, and yeah. it. Right, yeah, exactly. it'd be fantastic. Uh, if you were doing more of a modern setting or a modern take, you could be kind of you know battlefield commando guy, and you have grenades. Sure, um, you could spin it as a MacGyver ripoff. I mean, there's there's so many ways you could do it. If you wanted to make it a little more esoteric. I don't think any DM, if you wanted to be Water Girl with bubble powers and you had magical <laughs> bubbles that like exploded into sonic cacophonies. It's I, not It's not a nauseating smoke, it's nauseating bubble field. <laughs> and they're wading through bubbles. And, yeah. Right. I mean, I don't, I mean, you could be darkness guy and you have like these, these radiations of, of, of magical darkness coming out. Um, ah, you'd have to be a little careful there because there's different mechanical darkness effects. But yeah, I get your point. Sure, yeah. right. I mean, there's there's so many ways that you can skin it. Um, and, and when we get into archetypes, I mean, this is 
the I could nerd forever. The alchemists in general, it's just a really easy to skin in class. Sure. Um, they Paizo did a fantastic job with the different archetypes already skinning it, already taking a different take on it. And I like that they didn't just pigeonhole into the lab coat and beakers. Yes. Even though technically you have to have gear to be able to do your stuff, uh, they even have an archetype that's all about internal alchemy. Yeah. Um, so that you can even do a pseudo monk or an in internal inquisitive type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which which is, is very cool. Absolutely. Right. You can even do it as mind powers. I mean, hell, if you, as long as you somehow visualize it so that the enemies saw that there's something physical coming at them and they, they can recognize this person is quote, throwing something at them, you know, you could, you could be Professor X with mental blasts going out. Sure. And really, the sky's the limit as long as you have the things to accomplish what yeah, you want to do. Yeah, and the mechanics stay the same. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so I guess that's the first way you could go, is, is bomb throwing. So what's, uh, I guess, the, the opposite way we could go and, and specialize is going to be your melee guy. Sure. This guy's going to focus more on the mutagens themselves. So... What are some ways, if we're talking about a mutagen-based build, that you would start that build off? Well, uh, if I was going to actually build to high levels, I would first start by asking myself, do I want to take the Master Chemist? Um, I think, okay. I think uh, just so that you can plan where you're going to go. I don't think you necessarily need it. I don't think the Alchemist is strong and fun. The Alchemist that I made, I didn't even take an archetype. Sure. Um, I was just a straight-up regular bomb Alchemist and had a great time. Um, but I would ask myself, am I going to go into Master Chemist? Because an actual PRC, that's a huge that's a Yeah, huge and thing. It's, it's definitely a standout thing. In Pathfinder, there's not a lot of prestige classes. Typically, you're not going into them because the base classes are so strong now and because there's so few choices to choose from. But this is one of those cases where there's actually a strong prestige class to look at and say, is this something worth taking? Absolutely. And it's got fantastic role-playing possibilities. I, I, I do absolutely love that PRC. Uh, even though I am more on in, in the archetype camp personally, um, one of the nice things is is that it has the built-in uh, scaling of the bombs. So after I decided whether or not I wanted to be a master chemist, the next thing I would decide is: Do I want to be a switch hitter with a focus on melee, or do I want to be a straight-up no holds barred melee, melee monster? Melee monster, absolutely. Um, now, any DM that is not a complete douche is going to you know, rule that the scaling of bombs would also scale your uh, your sneak attack damage if you went vivisectionist. I'd um, say no. <laughs> you'd say no? I think I would. Uh, <laughs> I'm a douche. <laughs> well, I mean, the vivisectionist is trading out bombs for that ability. Yes. I, don't, I don't see any reason why uh, it, it shouldn't be allowed. But yeah, it's almost a different discussion. Um, and, and there's been other cases where I've discussed by raw, it wouldn't, it Correct. doesn't technically scale. Yeah. I, if I was so, if, if you want to do that, if that is something you're looking at, definitely talk to your GM first because right. it is, it is an exception. It isn't illogical to do it just because I don't agree and Barry does. It's not like it's wrong, uh, but talk to him first. You don't want any surprises later if you're counting on it and he's like, "What are you talking about? That doesn't work." Just talk about it first. Be upfront about what you want to do. And to be specific, him not agreeing uh, it is more of. We both recognize that it's not by raw, and then he's he's deciding that if you have the master chemist PRC, you are then more powerful than your standard alchemist in melee, and you don't therefore need the extra sneak attack damage. Essentially, yes. Which he doesn't want in his game to, to, to further overpower it. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the most powerful builds I've seen for damage output is a mutagen-based alchemist. I mean, they can put out an insane amount of damage. Sure, absolutely, uh, especially with the vivisectionist. Yep. Uh, adding that sneak damage, the ability to go invisible, uh, to, to proc that sneak damage over and over, 
it's it's a really really strong yeah. option. And and you throw that in with natural weapons because they got natural weapons. Mm-hmm. So all your natural weapons are hitting on that your, your full BAB as opposed to scaling down with you know just your your first hits full BAB and then you get iterative attacks down as you get higher. But to start out even at low levels, full BAB three attacks, all of them can can hit the sneak attack. You can put out a ton of damage. Right. Not Absolutely. to mention the the infinite greater magic fang at max level trick. Yeah. Um, I mean, should we talk it. about that right now? I mean, it's something it's something to talk about. It certainly. As soon as you have a thousand gold, you buy a potion of greater magic fang at maximum level. So it's a twentieth level potion, right. and not you know it's not going to be allowed in all campaigns. People aren't you know going to say, well, there's you know a twentieth level caster out there sitting around in every city that that sure. allows you to buy this from. But if you can, if you can buy this, whatever the highest level you can buy. It makes sense to buy the absolute highest level Magic Fang potion you can buy because there is an extract that allows you to basically, you cast it, or I guess you drink the extract. You swish it around in your mouth like mouth. And it sets up, the, it's so you can drink your potion, get the effects, and then vomit it back up into the <laughs> into the little test tube or whatever it is. And it's still there for tomorrow if you want to drink it again because you're now fully affected by that. That potion, uh, yeah, and you can do it more than once. You can do it as much as you want. You get that sucker extended. You get it, right. you know, whatever it takes. So that thing's lasting all day. Plus, you're getting the plus whatever. Right. So you're just blowing three of your spells every day to put it on both claws and your bite. Right. Because now it only the greater one only if you want the full effect only affects one of your weapons. That's why right. you're saying three times. Uh, yeah, and it's almost broken. Good to have a guy who has a plus five bonus to his bite claw and claw at you know fourth or fifth level. Not to mention that you you have a bite claw and claw when the fighter's like, I still have only one attack. Yeah, let alone that it's plus five to hit and damage on right. all of them, and, and you're only, at that point, one behind him in, in your BAB. and Yeah, so make sure, that's another thing, talk to your GM about. It's it's not something to spring on them. Uh, I mean, you can if you're playing Pathfinder Society or something. And his rule's legal, there isn't much they can say about it. If you're playing a home game, these are your friends, and you want the guy to keep GMing, uh, talk to him about it first. Make sure he's okay with it. Honestly, where I wasn't okay with the other thing, uh, I am okay with this. If you want to do that, I would let you do it. It's by Raw. I deal with it. We go from there. Um, well, and it also depends on your party and the adventure you're on, too. If you, if you have two or three guys going on an adventure that's made for four plus, sure. having that edge can, could help you to hang and not get dead. Absolutely. So I mean, it, it could be it could be a really useful trick. One of the things that I like going going fully into the melee alchemist is when you start focusing on the mutagens, um, whether or not you take an archetype. Um, which if you take an archetype with with this melee monster, I would uh, I'd go for the beast morph. Um, being able to get pounce right there done, uh, but it just it it kind of goes with um, it goes in the direction that I'm going anyway. My favorite thing about going melee is more so, I mean, you can skin the alchemist and you can have a good time doing it, but really, for me at least, something really hits home on a roleplay level with the guy changing, right? So whether it's the Incredible Hulk or whether it's you become a gargoyle-like thing or... He actually has a different personality right. when he's, when he's you hulked as, out. Yeah, yeah you're, you're Iron Man and you this you know this steampunk suit surrounds you. Um, my personal thing that I'm nerding on is in a Nusalov campaign, a guy who's cursed or, you know, like through his family line, they have the curse of lycanthropy. So he's actually trying to, when, when he's, 
when he's, uh, you know, taking that mutagen, instead of actually taking the mutagen, I would skin it as he's trying to inject himself or something to stop the change from he's happening. He's been experimenting over and over again, saying, i got to stop this, i got to stop this, and, and he's hitting himself. And maybe you do it a couple times a day, and, and it works. Right. Oh, and you just barely, oh, I was able to contain myself. But then that one time when it's going to work, you're like, ah, and you eject it, and you try to fight it, but I can't, and you wolf out. Yeah. Exactly. And then you Awesome. Just, yeah, it would be really fun. And, and with that, I also looked at the, uh, the Pokemon archetype, uh, where you get to have uh, summon creatures, uh, just because I think it'd be cool to have wolves and bats and things come to your aid. Uh, involuntary is how I would skin it. But, you know, the there's so many more ways to skin that. So if you have... And you can do it with... There's other classes that can do that pretty well, too. The summoner comes to mind. They could probably actually do that even better, but we'll talk about them in a later podcast. But it's just it's just so fun to be able to to uh, to do that incredible Colk and... And then, and you can do it with or without the master chemist. The master chemist will push the the duality of the mind a little bit more. Um, I don't think that you really need that on the role playing level. If you're going to just do a Hulk, or if you're going like I was going to do the werewolf, I don't think I was going to. I wouldn't have gone into master chemist because I didn't see the the wolf actually having a separate personality. Sure. Um, but absolutely. other than he's just like a crazy sure. animalistic, you know, it's not not necessarily a different. I mean, it's not like he's sitting there and he's still inviting people to tea as a wolf. Sure. He's he's going crazy and he's going. I mean, it's your typical lycanthropic transformation. Of, right. Right. Sure. Oh, I just had a great idea. Uh, I'm kind of nerding out on Spider-Man again lately. And how awesome would it be to have like a a a, a Pathfinder esque Green Goblin? Uh, there you go. He really is. He actually has the pumpkin bombs. And, <laughs> That's and when true. He, and when he takes, <laughs> and they do gas, and they do stunning, and they do all these things. He is an alchemist. And I didn't even think that. <laughs> right. And he takes the the, the uh, mutagen, and then he actually becomes a, a buff goblin-looking thing and gets stronger and can actually throw the heroes around. And you just need to get him, like, a skin of flying carpet to be the, like, a like a bat, The wing thing, a yeah. A bat wing type thing. Oh, how awesome would that be? There, there you, you go. go. Alchemist as a as a as a pretty uh, pretty good villain for your campaigns. And, and just because I thought it was hilarious on the boards last time when we mentioned GI Joe, and then Ryan came in with all these these references, <laughs> I want to hear Ryan's now. How would he skin an alchemist to fit a member of GI Joe? So visit the boards if you want to see that because <laughs> Ryan will chime in, and it's awesome. I love it. You're awesome, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, so so what about other feats? Is there any other feats that you would say were you know your go to you have to have for this melee build? Focused guy. Well, if I was going to be the uh, the the melee monster for my first non-discovery feat, uh, it just depends. I think uh, power attack would be a good one. Power attack is almost a must-have. Absolutely uh, right. That would be the go-to. Another decent one if you if you didn't want to to take the must-have would be maybe toughness. Have those extra hit points. You're going to sure. be in melee. Um, but as you're going on. Really, it's just about, uh, this is the guy that, more so than the bomb alchemist, I would be looking at archetypes and different things to sacrifice the non-melee things for better melee. So, you, like, like we talked about, your, your vivisectionist right. is a classic example. You're getting rid of the bombs because they're not, I mean, if you're playing the guy who doesn't want to turn into a werewolf, throwing bombs doesn't really fit into fit that, that skin, right. but doing lots more damage with your claws does. So, getting rid of the bombs, more damage hot right i mean that's yeah absolutely i would say pursuing the poison will be really really strong yeah um, they alchemists are arguably the best poisoners in the game and they uh, get poison use uh it goes in they're able to create it uh cheaper sticky poisons cheaper and faster than most people to get bonuses to their their craft and um, sticky poison is huge it's poison a must, is really it's a really have. expensive and uh 
Basically, sticky poison means you get more uses out of each dose of poison. So if, if you're doing the math on what it costs to use poison, most people end up saying, ooh, that's just too expensive, I can't afford to do that. But if you're dividing that by three or four because you got multiple uses out of it. Or more, five or, or more, six or ten sure. or whatever. I think it's by your intelligence bonus and yeah, it, it hits. It's very, very good. It really reduces that cost of poison and makes it a really viable thing to use for this character. So if you've ever wanted to play a poisoner, that's one more skin for your alchemist, uh, vivisectionist. And, and we'll get more into archetypes in just a minute, but that would be a great way to go if you wanted to play your poisoner guy. Uh, you know, a vivisectionist is hot. Absolutely, you could you could poison the claws, and if you wanted to skin it, you could just say that you have poisonous claws, and not necessarily yeah. uh, not necessarily have him intentionally poisoning them. But if you didn't want to do a mutagen based melee, and this is one of the one of the earlier things that I looked at with an alchemist that I, I still really like from a role playing perspective, it's probably not as mechanically strong. Sure, um, but I, I think it'd be sure a lot of fun, and, and really is just another nail in the coffin for the rogue. Which is dip two levels of rogue, uh, open up your uh, you know take knife master. So now you're using d8s. Your d6s from go, snake attack now right, it's d8s, right? Go to, go to d8s, um, and then just everything else is alchemist. Yeah. And so now you have fantastic. So now you slowed down your extract progression, which which have, is fine sure. in in return for lots of extra sneak attack points. And and by lots I mean you know. Uh, one point average more per die, but ideally you're getting lots more dice, and, and so it's stacking up. Well, with vivisectionist, you still your sneak attack damage is still going up. Now, why two levels of rogue? I guess I'm missing that part. Well, because if I was well, I guess you could dip one, but I I like opening up the rogue talents. Okay. So that way, if you lie me for one, just you could the, take as a feed extra rogue talent. You get more rogue talent. Absolutely. Okay. The, the Fair bleed, and the bleeding attack alone is really good. Sure. Um, but I I like this because the extra d8 of damage. Helps you as long as you can, you know, use the uh, the extracts to go invisible, uh, like the normal beast guy. Uh, you can you can keep your damage really close to what he's doing. Sure. Uh, you know, and thematically, I think it's fun to actually be that rogue who's poisoning and use the sticky poison, so you're getting multiple hits, and it can be really really strong. Um, and and it fits better, I think, thematically because you're actually. You know, you're actually poisoning it in game. Like in character. using scalpels instead of knives, and you're a maybe or maybe and, a yeah. big burly knives. You Whatever, know, but yeah. but you are in game really a a dastardly rogue that's actually focused on poisoning your foes to beat them. And, sure. I, and I just think it's fun. Um, and like I said, I mean, it, I I love the rogue conceptually, but it's just another nail in the coffin. That you can get pretty much everything you need out of them for a one or two level dip. Now with the sectionist. There's really not a whole lot of reason not to just go alchemist for the rest, the rest of your of career yeah. Um, yeah. and have buffs and have mutagens and yeah. have all of the other things that are, are great with the alchemist. Now, I, I should point out at this point that uh, in stacking in Pathfinder, as far as sneak attack goes, you're not stacking. Like in, in 3.5, there's lots of shenanigans you can take where I'm going to dip this class that gets 1d6 sneak attack and then I'm going to dip this class that gets 1d6 and you're getting more sneak attack type faster than you would somewhere else. It instead takes basically effective rogue levels. So if you take two levels of rogue, or even say one level of rogue, and then a bunch of alchemist, for sneak attack, they stack together for total levels, and then you look at the rogue as to where he would be at that total level. You're not able to, you know, get just one level, get a d6, and stack it on top of whatever you existing have. So you're not going to be able to get faster sneak attack progression than a rogue has, but they do stack. 
So it's it's a nice way that it's not quite as broken, um, but it's something to be aware of when you're building this. So it's a nice combo with a knife master because now all of your sneak attacks with the knives are D8. Bumping them to a D8 is hot. It's yeah. huge. Uh, but also the so so yes what and so basically what he's saying is if you were level one alchemist, level one rogue, you still only have one D6 of sneak attack. Um, and if you were say a level two rogue, level eight alchemist, you have five D6 of sneak attack. Um, but anyway, so moving on. Uh, so I guess another thing I would talk about with, with the melee-focused build, and, and this is a little different because we normally don't talk about gear as much, but I wanted to touch on the Amulet of Mighty Fists. Uh, this, is, this is different. Most magic weapons you have, you have to get enchanted to plus one first, and then you can, you can stack on you know flaming or holy or whatever else. Uh, Amulet of Mighty Fists is not that way. It doesn't have to be plus one first. So... You can be getting your, your plus five, plus five from your 20th level potion that you're drinking like crazy, right. and then get an amulet of mighty fists and throw holy on it, and suddenly you got that. You know, so you can just use your amulet of mighty fist for all the special abilities that are going onto all of your natural attacks you're doing with the claw claw bite, uh, and then use the potion of, of greater magic fang for how you're getting the numeric bonuses to hidden damage. Uh, so it's, it's just a, a little better way to stack that. Uh, you might consider, now I guess one of the downsides, of this particular build is the way mutagens work. You only get 10 minutes, is it per level of alchemist? Right. So if you're a first level alchemist and you're focusing on mutagens, you get 10 minutes a day. That's not a huge amount, really, right? It's I not. mean, and it's not like you can break it up. You can't say, I'm going to take one minute here in this combat, and one minute in this combat, and one minute over here, and one minute right before bed to just look at myself in the mirror. You're, you're having to actually, you know, that it's that 10-minute chunk, and then you're done. Right. So that is one of the weaknesses of it is, is you only get so many of that. One of the ways you can get around that is you can brew as many of these as you want a day. Sure, you can only have one brewed at a time. You can only have one at a time. And it takes an hour to brew them. So role playing it makes it a little tough when you're like, okay, guys, I used my one shot. Let's let's you know take a break, time out. We're gonna sit here while I brew some stuff up. And an hour later, we can we can get going again. Now come Next on, room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, at low levels, it makes it a little hard. Uh, on the other hand, you know, at tenth level, you're well past. You're almost to two hours of, of this going, so you probably can do most encounters in, a, in your 15-minute adventuring day anyway, depending on your group. So it's less of an issue at high levels. Even, really? Yeah. I mean, even at low levels, um, you know, depending on your party, you may not even need it. It could just be, hey, that's the you know boss fight. You'll definitely want to use it. Right. Um, and that's that's something to, to point out when you're deciding to go master chemist or standard alchemist. The standard alchemist can take a discovery at high level to be able to bump that to an hour per day. Uh, when you get that, you are effectively all day long um, or all adventuring day long. You 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 can have your mutagen in effect. Um, the master chemist never gets that. They get more uses per day, right? And and it still scales for the ten minutes per day. So effectively, they're they're still sitting pretty well. And I think it works. I think it works well uh, thematically. And I think in most campaigns it would be just fine, but if you really wanted to be wolfed out all the time, Master Chemist, you would never be able to hit that because your Alchemist level will never unlock those higher discoveries. Yes. Just a note. Yeah. Um, no, I should also note there are ways you can actually combine extracts. So as a third level extract, you could do two first level 
extract powers. Which is awesome for action economy. Yeah, and that's it's really, really good. Because normally you would say, well, why do I want two first level things when I could take one third? First point, their third level stuff is kind of a little weak compared to the other stuff. It's not where there's as much good stuff at third. Additionally, exactly like Barry said, it's amazing for action economy. You take one round and now you're enlarged and you have shield. Or you're enlarged and you have, you know, whatever. Uh, so you can, you can have both a defensive and an offensive buff put into that with one drink and then you're bam, you're in the combat. Uh, another thing you can do with this is animal form. Uh, you know, you, here you are focusing on your natural attacks, multiple attacks. You can get pounce with this guy. Hot. With the beast morph archetype, yes. Yeah. So you took one round of buff, and instead of being like everyone else who moved up, got one attack, you took that round of buff, didn't get that one attack, but uh, you'll just set up for the full attack next time anyway and be fully buffed. Huge. It's awesome. That's that's really one of the ways you can you can just lay out the hurt. And it's especially good because you're not really the tank guy quite as much with this. You don't have a ton of hit points. You're you know, depending on your build, you can you can get a pretty decent AC and stuff eventually with this. But you know, it's possible you don't have one too, depending on how you made the build. You may not want to be the tank. You may just want to be the hey, let the tank engage everyone. Once he's engaged, you come in like a rocket and just blow people up. And uh, pounce really lets you do that. So it's it's definitely a hot way to go. So I guess before we move into archetypes then, is there anything else we want to say about this build? I mean, there's lots more we could say, but uh, anything else you want to hit from a high level? Uh, I, I think that it's a it's a really strong build. I think all everything the alchemists can do, one of the things I really like about them is they're so non-gear dependent. Everything we talked about works really well without gear, works yeah. really well without the you know broken potion trick. It's it just... Yeah. It, it works really I mean, works the, the, well without the master chemist, and works well without any archetypes whatsoever. You can do these things, and it's just a very very solid class that's very well balanced. Um, tip of my hat to the Paizo at making a, a class that it really is a solid class. It is a very it's, solid it's class, very well rounded. Right. Uh, I mean, you can lose some of that well roundedness if you focus on just one aspect of it. But as far as potential goes of this class, it's really good. I, it's as I said, yeah, it's it's my favorite class hands down out of the APG. If you were going to solo a character, this would be one of my choices. Oh, it would be super good. It'd be a great choice. I mean, it, it's up there with your Inquisitors and your Bards and sure. other stuff for soloing. It's I'm still good really partial to Bard, but but this would be yeah. really really good and you have solid skill selection. Um, it would be great. Spells and yeah. everything. So uh, it's very, very flexible. Where they would lack is in the social graces. Sure. Uh, not that you couldn't try to do it, but they don't have things that, you know, that accentuate. They don't have any class abilities that really accentuate that. All right. So I think that kind of brings up the, or wraps up, I should say, the basic builds sure. for the alchemist. Uh, so let's, let's go into some of the archie types, because I know all of our fans love all the different ways I pronounce the word. No, I'm just kidding. Archetypes. Of, of the alchemist. So what are what are some of the different ways that you can actually build this class that, that I don't know, give it a completely different feel? I mean, just give me some of the highlights. We don't need to go over everyone, but well, what are some ones that jump out of you? Well, uh, let me look at the ultimate combat really quick, since there's only two. Uh, the Beast Morph we already touched on, it's the one that gives you all the animal abilities, which if you were going to skin it that way anyway, it's perfect. Yeah, pounce is really mechanically strong. Now it's it's interesting because I mean you're absolutely right. And basically, what it's doing is combining 
parts of animal form with your mutagen itself. So right. there's there's some action and economy there that you get the mutagen, you get those animal traits. Sure. Instead of having to also take the extract, which gives you the animal traits, the downside is you're losing other abilities to that beast morph right. where you could not take it still take the extract of, I mean so you can still get pounce you can still do those things you don't have to take it but I do think it's a strong archetype if you're if you're going the mutagen route sure well I mean some big hits you're losing swift alchemy um, you're losing swift poisoning so poisoning your claws is still going to be possible but it's less um, expeditious yeah. right you're losing action economy on poisoning yeah right um, you lose the persistent mutagen so again, uh, this is a good time. This, this really it synergizes well. It, it's interesting because it synergizes better because it loses the same thing. Uh, whereas with the master chemist, you would never be able to get the persistent mutagen right due to the PRC levels. If you take the beast morph, you also lose the persistent mutagen, which doesn't uh, matter to you because you're not getting that high anyway. If, if you go master, master chemist chem. anyway, wow. uh, but I think it's a strong option. I wouldn't say that it, it's necessary to be a strong. A mutagen-based melee build. But it's a strong option. But it is a strong option, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the other one there is Rage Chemist. I wasn't really wowed here. Um, I understand it. it's kind of just taking it more on the Jekyll Hyde thing. This also would synergize really well with the uh, Master Chemist. It's almost really made to take and then take the Master Chemist PRC. Sure. Um, but it seems to be almost a little bit of a liability Yeah. Uh, over just being a normal alchemist. Yeah, or... I'd almost... And this is me. I mean, if you're looking for rage features and stuff, I'd think about dipping Barbarian. Get the rage. Take extra rage if you really need more rage. Level uh, or two. Rage powers. Yeah. Um, rather than losing some of the stuff that's here. Doesn't mean it's a bad option if you're making that melee monster, literal monster build. Uh, you know, look at it. Look at what you lose. Look at what you gain. That sort of thing. But... But be mindful that maybe a dip is a better way to go. Sure. I think that's a good thing. I mean, the Alchemist in general, I think, is a class that one of those classes that I would really be, I would be more uh, more inclined to stay with it all the way uh, and not, it's not a class that lends right. itself to dipping as much because the Alchemist is so good by itself. But yeah, I think that, that uh, one or two levels in Barbarian is solid if you are going to go uh, the Feral route in right. Melee. Yeah, just like the. It's one more thing to Nova with, basically. Right. You're melee Noving. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or or a rogue dip. But other than that, I really can't see any dips being really uh, heavily beneficial to the alchemist. Um, so going back to the APG, or sorry, the ultimate combat, and looking at or the <laughs> darn. Okay, so going back to the ultimate combat with the main section of uh, archetypes. Uh, there's quite a few. Most of these, to me, um, they have some interesting abilities, but they mostly uh, land a role-playing, uh, role-playing angle to your to your alchemist, which I really really like. Your sure, your surgeon, your. Church. But in a lot of cases, you could take that same role-playing aspect. If if you look at it, it, inspires you, and you're like, oh, I totally want to play a guy who is a roaming surgeon. Uh, you could totally play that guy with the base alchemist. Absolutely, you don't have to have this archetype to do that. Right. So if it inspires you, fantastic. But you don't can stop there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just take the inspiration, love it, embrace it, but don't let it sway you as to whether or not you should take the archetype. Uh, 
you know, actually look at the ar archetype. What do you lose? What do you gain? And then and then go from there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, your your clone master. That's kind of self self explanatory. Internal alchemist is interesting. Um, I don't think what you gain in the internal alchemist is worth what you lose. Uncanny dodge, meh. Um, but it is cool that they talk about internal alchemy, and I think that's a great way to skin it. If I was going to, you know, make a werewolf guy or a you know, Blanca from Street Fighter guy. Uh, I like the idea of if I'm wolfed out and I'm using extracts, I'm not, excuse me, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll drinking something that is just like, you know, maybe like, you know, you still spend that standard action, but it's, you know, uh, you know, some kind of internal alchemy, or if it's, uh, you know, you're, like you're a, fighting in this, your standard action, a, or, or, or if the transformation buff, right, takes the, a standard action, the, or right, your whatever. Adrenaline yeah. kicks in as the, your beast adrenaline, and now you have bull strength or whatnot. So I like, from a role-playing standpoint, that stint. The Mind Chemist is one, to me, that is very interesting. Um, it, it's one I've, I've wanted to play with. Uh, it has what's called Cognatogens, yes. uh, which which are kind of like the Mutagen, except they can buff mental stats so, and wisdom, that sort of thing. Uh, it's one I've wanted to look at kind of more as a dip, maybe, for, for some of your other casting classes. Uh, but I haven't ever, I mean, almost like you would dip, like you're going fighter, but you do one dip in Barbarian, so you can get that rage just because, hey, rage is good for any melee fighter, right? This is sort of the mental version of that. Um, so I've considered it. I've never come up yet with a build that I'm happy with doing a dip mm -hmm. into Alchemist for the Cognatogens, but it's something I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by and, and want to look at. I think that if you wanted to be odd and you wanted to go in the middle and, and do the less common thing that we talked about earlier where you are actually focusing as much as you can on the spells, yeah. the Mind Chemist would be a strong option for that. It really would, yeah. A, a normal Alchemist can take Cognitogens, um, but unfortunately they would have to actually spend a Discovery for that. Uh, the Mind Chemist reverses it. They start off with a Cognitogens and they would have to take the normal Mutagens. Right. Um, but yeah, this would really make you a knowledge monkey. Um, that would boost your ability because your mental stats are going up, your intelligence is going up to have more spells and better spells, so you'd have more and better buffs. Um, so it would be well, stronger. and DCs would be the big thing. So Absolutely. if I mean we've talked about with a wizard, you could and, and I don't remember if we did this on air or not, but as a wizard, you could dip sorcerer and take you know just like the different bloodlines that give you bonus DCs to enchantment spells. Right. This would be one more thing you could dip. And use the Cognatogen, get your DC bumped up that much more because you're bumping up your intelligence, but is it worth the loss of spells, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it, it's so far my answer has been no, <laughs> but it is one more way you could do that. Well, the problem would be the duration in that 10 yeah. minutes if you only dipped at one level. It, once it, the spell is cast, I mean, once you've dominated the ogre and he's running around for you, he doesn't have to keep making his saves most of the time. I suppose. Um yeah, so I, I don't know. It's an option, but yeah, I haven't seen it being a beautiful option that's just awesome to dip with other things yet, but it's one that intrigues me to look at. My only argument for dipping this as a as a mage is my same argument for dipping anything with a full caster is, eh, you're so powerful anyway, does it really matter? So you're a wizard, you dip one level of anything, Yeah. now you're just in spell progression line with the sorcerer that's already... Really, a you know, fairly powerful character anyway. Sure. Um, yes, you did take yourself down a notch, but you're still more than powerful enough to handle really any anything the campaign can throw at you. Sure. And, and having that huge DC means, you know, depending on what you're doing, 
you're you're dominating people that you normally wouldn't be able to dominate. You have a much better chance. They they don't save as much, so you're not casting three spells to finish dominating them. Instead, you get them the first time more often. Right. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. The, the mind chemist I think would be great if you were going to make that Sherlock Holmes. If you were doing a heavy uh, heavy city type campaign, a lot of knowledge checks, a lot of role playing, um, and really focus on that. And and yeah, and or. Heavy buffing the party. It's a fun one, and it is. You know, we, really we talked about if you soloed Alchemist being a strong choice, but they might have a deficit with social skills. Mm-hmm. Here's a way to buff your charisma. Um, Absolutely. You sure. know, so it, it's an option. Uh, so I, I, I think it's an archetype that has a lot of potential. It does. But and especially to... roleplay potential, but also mechanical potential, but I haven't yet come to any conclusions that but it's it, awesome. This one is, is uh, fittingly, it, it's a scalpel, though. It's not a club. Correct. So the, the potential isn't apparent. You would have to have a plan, take it, and work it. you got to work on it. But, yeah. it. but it could be beautiful, and I could see nerding out on this. Um, so that brings us to the next one, which is ah, just I, I, it's one of my favorites. I love this archetype. The Preservationist, a.k.a. You're a freaking hippie. Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, just got to yeah. catch them all. Yeah, no, uh, and that's absolutely what it is. I mean, you can literally imagine this guy throwing his little balls... Of summon monster, out pops a little monster, and oh Pikachu, I choose you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, Rust monster, I choose you. Yeah. Uh, Celestial monkey. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, it's 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 absolutely very interesting. Uh, the summon spells are very powerful. Uh, there's a lot of flexibility with them. Uh, is it the most powerful archetype? No, probably not. Is it very flavorful and interesting? Has a lot of potential and flexibility? Yeah, I think so. I really like it because what you gain for what you lose. You're losing the poison use uh, and the poison resistances. It's okay. You lose. Which imagine you're a bomber, right? So if you're where we talked about focusing on bombing, losing poison use, not that big a deal. deal, Unless you go on the archer route, poison would be good, right? I mean, that's an archer. Yeah, that's great. Um, If you're a normal hand bomber, the poison isn't really a loss. Losing the persistent mutagen, not really a loss. But more to that, like when we were talking before, if you are your standard bomb-throwing alchemist, the spells become secondary. It's yep. are you buffing your party even at that point. Yeah. But now you've replaced that. Instead of taking the discovery to buff your party whilst you bomb things to death, you, now you're summoning monsters. Hey, and- monkey, drink this. <laughs> You're summoning monsters yeah. with your spells while you use your bombs. And I, I think it's fun because... I think it could be very powerful if you used it well, as summoning is. But more than that, I just love the versatility as, I mean, as a toolbox. Yeah. Um, you've got these great control spells with your with your throwing bombs. You have all the skills and all that fun, beautiful stuff for role playing. You're in base, so you get a lot more skill right, points. Right. But now yeah. you're also summoning. You have even more uh, things to affect and control the battlefield. You have more useful options. You have expendable door openers. You have Want a flanker? Here's a flanker. <laughs> Want to have go. this guy not be able to move through that square because he's going to swing around and attack, I don't know, me? Uh, yeah, here, I'll stop that. I'll put someone in that square so it's not easy for them to get through. Yeah, this guy's only a CR1 monster and, and we're level 10, but he still can't move that square through that square until he deals with him. If you want to be bastardly, your summoned monster ties him up and then you blow your breath weapon on both of them. Yeah, who cares if you kill your own right. creature, right? Um yeah, so that's it depends on your loan. Right? Yeah, it's it's fine. He'll reform on his native plane. That's right. <laughs> but, I mean, for me, if I ever actually got a chance to play this, and actually now think about it in hindsight, I, 
you know, I'm actually really tempted to rework my my gnome and, and get this in there. Go because, to preservationist. Well, I went standard and, there was, and I didn't have an archetype. But you're really doing the bomber type. Right, and yeah. I think it would be fun to play around with. But for me, I would love to self-impose the limitation that I have to actually capture any animal to put it on my list. And if the DM said, like, well, study it somehow, or right. you suck it into your little pokeball. Yeah, no, I actually want to capture it. It'd be great. Um, I think it'd be so much fun. I mean, sure, you still have to, you know, unless the DM was really lenient or was that kind of a game, you still have to stay to what's on your list to keep it mechanically accurate, but yeah. I think it'd be really fun to self-limit. Sure. And have to actually go and hunt these animals. Uh, it could be just, cool, depending on the campaign. Yeah. It's just a really, really, really cool one. Um, sorry, personally nerding out on that. Um, so the next one's a Psychonaut, and this is this is your hippie. This is your... I'm, I'm having fun with all these drugs. Uh, <laughs> it's the... Alchemist. If the other one was your nature hippie, this is your LSD-loving hippie. Absolutely. It, I mean, this is your... Uh, and this is great, again, for flavor. Like the internal alchemist, not adding a whole bunch mechanically, but roleplay-wise, yeah, this is cool. Um, this is your alchemist version of, of, of a diviner. And, you know, you get the clairvoyance, you get the scrying... Um, all that fun stuff, and it's cool because he's getting there with these drugs, with these chemicals. That's how he's getting to that level. Um, later on, he gets you know some foresight and things like that. Is it super powerful? No, no. Um, you, you know, you can make the argument that you know divinations are always powerful, or yeah. at least in our camp, we we tend to to, to see the value. Yeah, of I mean, it really depends on your GM. It depends on the campaign, that right. sort of thing. But in general, I'm a huge divination lover. Yeah, yeah. I know they're great, but I mean. Is this is this going to make him even close to a diviner? No. Yeah. Um, is there stronger things you can do mechanically with an alchemist? Out, absolutely. But if this helps to get you the flavor, uh, would it be fun to put to play a semi-strung out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guy. Yeah. I mean, totally. And, and just think of, like all the other things you could do. I mean, even if even if we're not taking this, but think about playing a strung out guy. So he's this like, you know, just. He's like picking at his own skin. He's all you know, strangly and, and like lost lots of weight. And then when he finally hits up, man, he's in that LSD rage, and the police can tase him four times, and he just won't go down because mechanically he's his mutagen, but really he just shot up. Um, yeah, you could totally play the strung out High drug <laughs> user, <laughs> and he's got a meth lab, and that's where he's you know building this stuff and. <laughs> Not politically correct. Skinned as a meth user. There you go. We will skin anything. You hear that? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is off limits for for, for the the game. Apparently not. Apparently not. Um, So then the next one, and this is pretty much the last one since we've already hit the vivisection, it's pretty hard, uh, is the reanimator. And from a role playing perspective, I really, really like this guy. This yeah. is your, you know, your, 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 uh, your Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, if you here. imagine the mad scientist lifting the beast up in to get hit by the lightning and he's bringing bodies to life and he's trying to bring life back into the, this, this is where you want to go. This is him. He literally has the anime dead in an alchemist. Again, is it stronger than a cleric no. uh, necromancer? No, <laughs> no way, no, no way yeah. in hell. Yeah. Uh, is it stronger even than a wizard necromancer? No. I'm going to stifle the laugh. No. Yeah. Um, but is it super awesome cool? The flavor is really cool. Freaking fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it is really, really fun. Um, it's They get creative and dead. Um, just the reanimation and the, later on they get greater undead. It's certainly strong. Um, it's kind of what I think has potential, but I haven't really looked into making a build around it yet. I like uh, it, but from, I can see it having potential. I like it from the standpoint of a campaign that is that actively tries 
to curb bull casters a little bit so that the campaign stays at a little bit of a lower level. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that the DM necessarily imposes, no, you can't, you can't be type 1, type 2, or, or, or sorry, uh, tier 1, tier 2, or, or something like that hard-fisted. Uh, but I'm just saying if the group cohesively, voluntarily wants to keep the power level down a little bit, this is one of those ways that you can have undead creation and not be super broken powerful wizard or cleric. Uh, because, you know, an animating dead is really powerful. Just like summoning creatures is really powerful with the preservationist, but they're still not, not nearly close to the other summon monster, summon nature's ally guy, which is the druid, um, powerhouse class. But yeah, I, flavor wise, I really, really dig the reanimator. Uh, it's fun. It's yeah. A, just a really fun Agreed. Class. Agreed. So then I guess the last one, we've, we've talked about this over and over again, but I guess we'll, we'll, just talk about a few different points. Uh, the vivisectionist. We already talked about its sneak attack, you know, increasing to a larger type. That's, that's well, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, that was a, just having a sneak, sneak attack, attack instead yeah. of bombs. Um, but the vivisectionist, from a role playing point of view, this is your island of Doctor Moreau, right? So this sure. is the guy who, um, if, you, if you look at it past the sneak attack, I mean, obviously the sneak attack is the go to. I'm going to make the monster melee guy. Okay, we do vivisectionist for the sneak attack. And, and for me, like, if I did my cool Ustalov werewolf guy, yes, technically I'm a vivisectionist, but I'm going to really try to largely ignore a lot of this because, you know, I don't want to be Islander Dr. Moreau guy. But if you, if you take it on that, if you really look at it, hey, I'm the scientist that's trying to study the biology of life. Yes. This guy's awesome. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, it sounds horrible, tortures, uh, he gets death watch, that's great. But, uh, yeah, you know, using the knowledge of nature instead of heal, that's awesome. Uh, but really what I'm, what I'm, what I'm leading up to here, here to is this. They call it torturous transformation. It's really just awesome. Um, <laughs> they get anthropomorphic animal on their formula book. So they're Island of Dr. Moreau guy. I mean, literally, yeah. Literally yeah. having their pets and animals turn into these kind of monster creatures. Later on, they can... So, so what I'm hearing is if you want to play a furry, <laughs> I won't much. go there. I won't go there. But yeah. but later on they can and and really not too long by ninth level they can awaken animals, baleful polymorph things, which is fun. There's it, a lot of fun to be had. I've, I've had a lot of fun when I baleful um, polymorph. Yeah. yeah, and they can permanently anthropomorphize an, animals for seventy five hundred gold pieces. And so which, if you who like, doesn't want a cat chick? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> or, or having other allies. It would be yeah. fun. I made you. Why aren't you loyal to me? It would just be fun uh, and I think fairly powerful to be able to create your own minions and just really interesting. I'm, I'm actually um, inspired by this to make a bad guy in the game. Could be a lot of fun. And have the villains be yeah. ones that he's literally making. Have fun. You can. What if you're like, oh man. Like if the wizard up quote upgrades his familiar for an improved familiar, the other guy gets his old familiar, the the unloved cast aside. Yeah. You cast me aside. And then he comes back because I was just a frog. Now I'm Frogman. Um, yeah. And yeah. then later on, uh, I guess this is a this is a good reason to not have to take the two level dip into rogue, or or rather, if you weren't gonna, you would only want the rogue if you're gonna do the knife thing anyway. Um, so if you were Mister Guy with the claws. You can take bleeding attack as a discovery, which super yeah, which hot. Is, yeah, no, it's good if you're going to be very, up very good. meleeing anyway. Being up, I think it's worth. I'd rather take that second level of rogue though to get. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, but, but I, I see your point. Yeah, if no, you're not using knives and you're using claws with a beat, you know, right? Then there's yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the crippling strike, it's good. It's also a, a solid option. But uh, talking about the vivisection section right now, 
I like it from a role playing perspective. I did, I did a lot of biology personally. Yep. I know you did too. I did. Um, and, and I just love the way animals work. And I love the idea of someone who, who looks at that, who looks at nature, who looks at uh, all those types of things and says, like, how can I, how can what's I the potential? This? What, right, what the, could it do? What happens if X? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you like any of those movies, I mean, there's lots of sci-fi movies and stuff that You're are, are about... you if you will. Yeah. You could really, really go off on that, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this is more gross level. What happens if I slap this, these arms from a gorilla onto this bunny? I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if that's... <laughs> I know, I know. But, I mean, I, I can almost see that when I, think of, when I think of this. When I think of if I make a bad guy's vivisectionist, I can see this just crazy amalgamations sure, of, of sure. monsters that he sets up on the PCs and obviously there's so much no fun. reason not to skin it that way yeah oh and he should have a uh, what's that guy the ones they, they can mimic any voice the, a mongrel man he should totally yeah. have a mongrel man sidekick yes that he made yes right? master <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, yeah this would be a great this would be a really, really the flavor good. is there the flavor is good and sure he has a sneak attack but he's very cerebral he's very withdrawn but yeah, yeah. in the end and fight, you'd totally be like he's just kind of waiting for his time and then as soon as you like open up just enough he's like Psh! Artery hit. With, with a scalpel, yeah. right? So, so you don't even roll dice. You just say, oh, no, the scalpel only does one point of damage. Rattle, 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 plus 8d6. Yeah, as it literally <laughs> squirts two feet out because he hit an artery. and yeah. But, I mean, how badass would that be if he's using this? Uh, he doesn't lose poison use, so he uses just the scalpel like the guy in the yeah. last Predator movie. Or, or like an actual needle poison. where he injects something. The needle only yeah. gives one point of damage, but then the bam, in goes the poison. It did a... Ah, oh, man. Fantastic. Yeah. At one point, he could kidnap one of the player characters and mess with them. What a great option to Imagine a them. final scene where he's got like, like one of the PCs or one of their allies or something, and he's got like a... A syringe held to their neck, and he's like, "If you come any closer, I'm going to inject this directly into the you know." Yeah, it'd be fun. That would be, be fun. Really awesome. It's got a ready to action. To you know, it would be very interesting in that too. Is if there was an alchemist, say, I don't know, preservationist in the group, yeah. and then they're fighting against an alchemist as one of the bad guys, I yeah. mean, or even as a main bad guy. Fantastic. It'd be a lot of fun. Really, what it boils down to it is, it's how can you characterize that thing and this is it's it's fantastic there's a lot of flavor in there as well as the mechanics of getting sneak attack which is hot so yeah i mean i I, one of the things i love about this class is there's a lot of things that have inspired me that this would be a cool either character to play or bad guy to have and yet at the same time i'm like wow this is really flexible it'd be good in just about any campaign you can fit a lot of different roles with it um he'd be good by himself he'd be good in a group he'd be you know he can fit in ah he's but at the same it's time... It's a really strong yet flexible class. Yeah, and it's, it's not dominating any other classes. It didn't replace anything. It hasn't, you know, wow, oh my god, this is better than a wizard or a cleric. No. I can't really say it fills a niche. Like, I wasn't... There wasn't an alchemist-sized hole in my heart needing to be filled inside a Pathfinder. But once it's there, it's like, yeah, he's not really stepping on anyone's toes. He's not. But yet he can do all these things... And fill those places if he needs to. But you're right. Yeah. He didn't displace anybody. They didn't create something that said, oh, now... Well, now with the, with the caveat of it was one more nail in the rope coffin. Yes, we touched on that. Yes. Yeah, okay. He can sneak attack, too. Yeah, he was... You know, anyway, yeah, so. yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't get any lower. Poor rogue. I can't wait till we do our rogue episode and we talk about how awesome the rogue is. <laughs> I'm going to save it because I'm going to start going off. But no, yeah. a- a- absolutely. Yeah. I mean... It's really, in any class, in any character, it all boils down to, 
you know, at least for me, start with the idea of who the character is and then, yeah, go to town and optimize and make sure that you can build the character mechanically that helps you to bring that idea to life. Yeah. And well, and I love coming up with a concept and then you look for mechanics for it and then you revisit the concept based on the mechanics and you adjust it. I mean, not that, not that you're sacrificing your original concept, but it's almost like you're bouncing back and forth and back and forth and back and forth sure. and refining both the mechanics and you're refining the concept to just come up with this one blended, and if you have perfectly to, suited character. Skinning. Yeah. Right? Hot. Lots of lots of opportunities for skinning. So my comment at the very beginning that all that can be is the mad doctor, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and that's it. Obviously, that was just to make Barry mad and, <laughs> and get him talking. And uh, no, it's it's a really good class, though. So, is there anything? I guess in, in summation, is there anything we've missed or you want to talk about in the Alchemist that we haven't really talked about? Uh, no, you know the no. I, I think that we touched on most of it. I'm sure that uh, you know some listeners will have some points that we maybe skipped over and welcome their comments on, on the boards, you know, www.3.5privatesanctuary.com. No, 3.5. Three three no, no extra point there because nope. that'll mess things up. But yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm new. Uh, but no, I, you know, hopefully we'll get some comments on that. And if we missed anything, we can talk about that and elaborate further. But, you know, I just hope that, you know, people really look at the alchemist and, and uh, see that, you know, sure, his damage output isn't, you know, well, other than the beast guy, that, you know, bomb damage output isn't maybe as high as some other blasters. Uh, his skill selection, you know, isn't maybe as great as a rogue's, but it's just a really solid class, awesome for role-playing, really, really fun. It's one of those, you know, whether it pops out at you on paper, try it in-game, and yeah. I think you'll find that in-game the character is just so much fun. And We've had a lot of fun with your Alchemist when we, we played those few, I mean, right. we haven't played a ton of sessions, but the sessions we played... They're really fun, and I think yeah. they're also effective. It's one of those things, again, that on paper it may not look super powerful, but then in-game you're like, wow, that was really effective. Yeah. And, and there are, not just the Alchemist, there are things that are like that. They don't look great on paper, but they end up, wow, that actually was really strong yeah. when you actually consider the whole picture and not looking at it inside of a box. This is a, a section we're going to repeat in our Rogue podcast. <laughs> over and over again. I'm going to play this over and over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree, though. And and I do... I think you'll be happy playing this. I think you'll feel like you can do things in most situations, uh, depending on what you choose for things. But I, I think if your guy likes to manage resources, if you're someone who likes to... So I'm sorry, Ryan. You probably won't like it as much. Uh, <laughs> you know, but... It, it is a fun, fun class, and I, I think it can do a lot of stuff. And I really, as far as one of the later classes produced and that sort of thing, i got to give Paizo a huge thumbs up. They did a great job designing this class. Um, it doesn't feel overpowered, but at the same time super flexible and really has a lot to do in any game. So, I, I love it. It's, yeah. it's, it's my favorite class in the APG. It's... It's great. I, and unfortunately, I can't say that because I have some Inquisitor love going on, but it is solid. It's good. Um, yeah. So I think with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. That's right. Live from Detroit, Gamer's Guide to Pathfinder. Out. The Gamer's Guide to Pathfinder. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs>